So if we freeze to death in our beds tonight, at least we'll have made a podcast. Two episodes of a podcast. <laughs> Two and a half episodes of a podcast. Two and a half. Of each of our podcasts. <laughs> of each. It's fine. Hey, neighbors. Welcome back to the next town over. I'm Carson Costa, and I am so excited about the episode we have for you today. This is part one of our interview with Dave Ertle and Nancy Peterson. They are absolutely incredible and old family friends of mine. I can't think of a better way to start. These two are avid travelers. They left the States to settle down on the other side of the globe, got Australian citizenship, and worked for over 25 years in law and IT, and then decided to drop everything, sell their house, and travel. They set out on a bicycle tour around the perimeter of the Australian continent, through Southeast Asia, and across Europe, covering more than 13,000 miles in 26 countries over 19 months. A few years later, they took on another cycling trip, this time conquering almost 17,000 miles and 15 international borders over 20 months from Fairbanks, Alaska to Tierra del Fuego, Argentina. They're also the inspiration behind the name of the podcast. Unfortunately, due to a little scheduling snafu, Nicole wasn't able to join us for the first part of this interview. So she'll be here for part two and for the post-interview commentary. I'm also still learning all the tech stuff and sound equipment. So unfortunately, my sound isn't of the highest quality during the interview here. Uh, Please just forgive me for that. Luckily, Dave and Nancy seemed to know what they were doing and they sound great. So without further ado... Here is our interview with Dave Ertle and Nancy Peterson. It's great to have you guys and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Carson. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to join us and I'm so excited that you're my first guest because um, you've been a big inspiration to me over the years and um, with my traveling and the podcast. Great. So you guys just spent the last week and a half volunteering with Cycle Oregon. How'd that go? That was great. We um we made a lot of coffees and rode most of the route. We both came back. Uh, I guess we got back Saturday night. We're a bit sleep deprived. <laughs> it's probably get about six hours sleep at night. For some reason, Cycle Oregon likes to have a band at night. You know, we'd rather go to bed at eight o'clock because we have to get up at four o'clock, and then they have a band that goes till ten. So, oh gosh, it's a it's a long week, but um, very rewarding. It's a nonstop party, it sounds like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Dave, you broke your collarbone in May, right? How's the recovery going? Well, the first thing I thought of when I fell was, well, my collarbone's bo- broken and I won't be able to do um, Cycle Oregon. But um, I did the same thing that uh, Nancy did where we I had the surgery and they put the plate in and the recovery went remarkably well. I had, had almost no pain and was able to get full function back pretty quickly. So um, yeah, I was able to lift all the heavy stuff on the coffee truck and and had no issues at all. So better life life through surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you brought up Nancy's um, broken clavicle as well, which happened right before you guys are about to start your um, Bibulum track hike, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. And that was after you've been working all this time, you've decided to sell your house, you made this big decision to make this life change and you've been preparing for months and then that happens. So like what was going through your head? Did you think of it as a bad omen? Um, actually I was just 
I, I really couldn't believe it was actually happening because we we were literally going to fly um, to the U.S. for a little uh, visit before we did our trip. We were flying the next day. We we're supposed to fly the next day. We'd packed up everything in our apartment and um, and we were taking our bikes over to our friend's house to store while we did this hike. Um, and we had a miscommunication and <laughs> ran into each other. And and uh, I just, I couldn't, I really couldn't believe it as we were sitting in the emergency room thinking, like, what what does this mean, actually? What are we going to do? Yeah. But, but it all worked out, actually. We just, unfortunately, we couldn't do the hike because I couldn't carry a backpack for quite a while. But right. um, it just gave us an extra, extra in, in some sense, it was good because it gave us extra time to spend with the family before we went on this big, long bike ride, which was good. Well, that's good to, like, see the positive aspect of that. Yeah. Um, so you decided not to do the hike and then that was the big change in your plans. And then yeah. the, the bike trip continued as planned or. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we just, um, uh, we just took the extra month and a half, I guess, and, and spent it with our pair of friends and family here in the States and, and then went back and started the bike trip. Sort of on schedule. Yeah. We just didn't get to do the hike. Which was a shame because we really, we had it all scheduled. We had it all it's a big thousand kilometer track over in the western part of the country in, in in Australia, and it's supposed to be beautiful. A best time to do it so it's not too hot and you don't have forest fire danger right. and there's enough water, et cetera. So it's kind of the timing is tricky on it. We had it we had it planned just right, but obviously we couldn't do it. So um, and we still haven't done it. Uh, Twenty yeah. almost fifteen years later. So yeah. do you think you're going is, to? Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, I think so. You know, there's a lot of things on the bucket list right now. It's hard to. Hard, hard to, to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's too many things to do. Yeah. Um, what triggered the the shift? Because you, when you spent 20 years working in IT for Dave and financial law for Nancy, like why then? What was the the deciding factor that made you decide that you wanted to make this big life change? Well, you know, you've only got so many breaths in and out. And, you know, are you going to do, spend all of them in an office working for a corporation or... Are you going to do things that you're really passionate about? And I think that that theme kind of runs through our lives. You know, that's why in a lot of sense we moved to Australia. You know, just we don't have children, so let's do something exciting and um, make this worthwhile. Right. You know, and if you work for a while, um, you know, work can be really great. That's not to say that work, sometimes you're ready to really see what's out there, and and you have to stop working to do that. Right. Um, and you guys started blogging instead. So you kind of exchanged a little bit your your work life for taking on the blogging, though. I don't know. Did you, did you ever monetize your blog in any way or is it just more of a hobby? Yeah, the, the blog started. Um, we're really old. The, <laughs> <laughs> the blog started with notepads and books. Uh, we yeah. didn't really have computers. We, when we first traveled, we didn't. There weren't there weren't laptops, there weren't computers, and so we wrote everything in notebooks. Um, and then once once it sort of became more electronic, and you could carry that sort of stuff with you, um, it was a great way to because we were traveling really in weird places sometimes. You know, let our mothers know what we were doing. So we kept the blog really, uh, so we would have a record of the trip, and so that our mothers would know where we were. And those, you know, when we first started doing the blog, we have two readers, you know, Nancy's mom and my mom. Yeah. Um, and and I don't, I, you know, I, I still, even today, we, we did a blog for this cycle Oregon trip. I don't really do it for other people. I do it to, um, 
to record our trips so that we have that memory. You know, it, it takes effort every day, but for me, it's really a, um, it's a way to decompress at the end of the day. So I don't really find it much of a chore. Right. Um, More in fact, in, in looking at the Cycle Oregon blog, I looked at our 1992 blog from our honeymoon trip where we rode our tandem across the U.S. So it was really cool to be able to go back and have, you know, riding through the same areas, read about how, how we felt about them then and compare that to today. Yeah, that's interesting to have that record and to be able to almost look back into the past a little bit. But I think that your blog has become a great resource for a lot of people. It's it, There's so much information on there about so many different locations. So you've, you've put together an incredible work there. I know you put a lot of your stuff in a storage unit when you first left. And I was just curious, when you were returning from the trip and opening up that storage unit, was there anything in there that you'd forgotten that you had, that you were surprised to find, or that you were excited to have back? Anything that you realized that you could have gotten rid of in the first place? Just anything that was surprising there when you returned? I think for me, it was it was nice to see. I mean, there are a lot of things that we've forgotten we had. Like, I'm just thinking, even even dishes, you know, which sounds funny, but when you get used to using the same cup, the same plate, the same bowl every day, and to open up a box and see all these different dishes that you could use and all these different, just different things that you use in the kitchen, which you don't, you know, almost unconsciously you're using the kitchen, which you don't really realize you're using you um, to, to see those sitting in a box. You think, wow, actually, I forgot I had all that stuff. Yeah. And I think we 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 actually tried to get rid of a lot of extraneous stuff when we left because we didn't want to have a huge storage unit that we were paying for. Um, so when we got back, it was um, we we really didn't have a lot of extra stuff. Now, extra has a different meaning when you come back from living out of a you know one or two panniers for two years because even the small amount of clothing, for example, that we had stored, it's odd how many decisions you have to make every day when you have so many things to choose from and so, so many being not, not a lot, but way more than, you know, one pair of pants and one long, te- long, long sleeve shirt. Yeah. So it actually, it's, it's kind of funny how it, it makes your life more complicated, all those options that you get. And even, you know, just when we'd go into the grocery store and we got back and think, you know, there's so many things there. Whereas if on the trip, you, you weren't faced with making all those decisions every day. That sounds silly, but it's actually, you realize how much all those options complicate your life. That's something that I've seen a lot um, in minimalist thinking and and minimalist like podcasts and stuff is yeah. uh, just that the more that you eliminate those decisions, the more it frees up the energy and the thought processes for other things as well. Yeah. Like that yeah. It, it simplifies yeah. a lot. When you go on a long bike trip, people always think you're going to be tired every day and you <laughs> are, but you don't have to mow the lawn and you don't have to make very, many, very many decisions at yeah. the end of the day. You come, you finish the ride and you relax or you interact with the, the people around you or you, you just don't have all the stuff that forces you that takes your energy i was also wondering it kind of connects to thinking and freeing up that thinking space and that like not having to make decisions there's so much time when you're riding that bicycle i remember from bike tours that i've done with my parents there's so much time that you're riding you're on the road and you know you're not necessarily talking the whole time you're riding uphill sometimes it can be hard to talk or if you're separated because of the narrow shoulder it gives you a lot of time alone with your thoughts what kind of impact do you guys think that had and 
does it ever feel like too much a long time or does that change um, the way that you think about things? I think this is, this is where Dave and I are different. Okay. <laughs> because, but you know, this is, we, we struggle a little bit sometimes when we travel because for me, like I like being on the bike. I like, I, I guess I'm an introvert, introvert. I like the quietness. I like being, not having people chattering at me all the time. Right. And, and, and it's the stimulation of, you know, being, I don't know, in a, you know, big city and going to see things and stuff is nice. But for me, particularly after riding and after, you know, if I'm, if I'm physically tired and um, we get to a town, Dave always, Dave, and, and you, ha you have this feeling you should go see the things that are famous in that town. Absolutely. But for me, just the whole process of, of getting there, the traveling and seeing the landscape and stuff is enough often for me. And I just want to sit and be quiet for a while, just right. relax and decompress that way. And, but Dave wants, wants to go out. He's much more of an extrovert. So he wants to go out and explore and Talk interact and, and do all that. Whereas I would, for me, I would much prefer to just, you know, if we have a hotel, for example, or at camp or something, I would, I would prefer just to sit and read a book or something. Just right. Um, I never feel um, anything but good from the the quietness that comes from writing. Right. And I I think I do. I, I like the writing as well. I, I do like. I am more social, and I do like to go see things. But I think we dealt with that pretty well because a lot of times we'd pull into a town and we'd find a place to stay, whatever it was. And in Latin America, when when, we, when you say hotel, people think of something nice. In general, Latin American hotels are a well, lot the ones lower. we stay in. <laughs> Our budget are a lot lower standards. So they're not necessarily amazing places to hang out. You know, they don't have a mini bar. <laughs> they don't have they don't have they don't have TV. They don't have anything. A lot of times they don't have a toilet seat. Um, so for me, I would and we dealt with this pretty well on the trip. I would go out and get lunch or I would go out and um, go take pictures and just sort of go see those famous things. And then I'd come back and here, look at these, look at this dance, look at these pictures. And she'd humor me and look at them while she read her book and relaxed and enjoyed the lunch. So I think it is important to recognize you have differences and, you know, neither way or approach is wrong. Right. Um, yeah. And, and not, not forcing the other person to conform to what, what you, what you find fun, you know, or you find comfortable is, is important, I guess. Yeah. And traveling as a couple can be a challenge. I mean, not every day is a, um, a bowl of cherries, but you deal with all that. And and I think, you know, for me, the, the time on the bike, I used to spend my time on the bike thinking about solving world problems or, and thinking about things I wanted to communicate in the blog about where we were, where we were traveling. And I think Nancy was much more of, oh, this is beautiful. I'm just going to enjoy the moment. So I don't, you know, neither is wrong or right. It's just, we're, we're different. So you're keeping your brain busy with pre-writing and. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of planning ahead, so when you set out, you had no scheduled end date, no plan uh, specifically beyond Australia, right? Or at least beyond the eastern part of Australia. I know you were, you were thinking at one point you would go all the way around Australia or at least around to the, the west side. And then I want, you were thinking that you might go to East Asia. How far out did you typically plan as you went? And do you think you ended up taking any routes or detours that you wouldn't have if you'd had more of a plan? Well, to, to start with the, that big trip, we we you know we have this vision of being really cool, hip people that just hang on the beach and go where the wind takes us, <laughs> and we're not. Um, mm. 
I struggled a bit on that trip because we didn't even know when we would finish. We didn't know what the end was. When you don't know when you're going to finish, you don't know what the end is. It can be a little bit open-ended and you're sort of feeling at, at sea or at loss. Um, that's that's at the big picture level. At the macro level, planning, I'm, I'm going to probably shut up here because Nancy is the planner. There's no, there's no debate in our relationship. Nancy will tell you her planning process. Actually, that, that first big trip, the initial plan was we were going to go, we were going to go all around Australia and then go up into Southeast Asia and around. But right. we usually try to, well, I like to have a, a general route picked out so that at least we can figure out where our highlights we want to see so we can head toward that direction. We don't do really detailed planning mm -hmm. other than maybe a month out or two weeks out, though it's kind of different for each trip because that first trip, because we didn't have a specific, you know, we didn't have a, we're going from here to there. It made it a little bit more difficult. And in some sense that was, as Dave's saying, the fact that we didn't have an end um, goal made it harder for us. And I think maybe for me in more particularly that um, when, when you had hard days or, you know, or, or a string of hard days or if the weather was really crappy, you had terrible places to stay, right. it made it harder to fight that. Okay, let's just stop now. Sure. Feeling that came up because you didn't have a goal. You didn't have like on, on the trip down through the Americas, it was because we had this end goal to get to those hard days, you could say, well, we just need to get through this because we we're going to go, we're going to get there. We, we have an end goal to get to that first one. We didn't. So made it a lot easier to just say, well, let's just take a day off. Let's just stop early and kind of was less motivating in a way because you had let, uh, you didn't have that destination in mind. Yeah. Or, or even at a bigger level, let's just, take a flight home. I'm yeah. Or, or, like this right. is crap. Cause there are, there are days on these trips where, you know, you just say, this is, this sucks. This sucks. I want to <laughs> yeah. go. I want to be in my own house with my own bed and my own Stuff. clean, clean, yeah. clean toilet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Particularly and, with, with the, the cycling. I know we only ever did shorter cycling trips. You know, me and my parents, at least when I was growing up, it was like a week at a time. But those yeah. bad days are like really yeah. bad when yeah. you get a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> but having a having a big picture goal that says I'm going to make it to Ushuaia, mm -hmm. yeah, you know Argentina at least. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think having that big picture goal helps sort of center you a little bit and 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 helps you get through those days where they're where you really, if you had a choice, you'd fly home. And in fact, if you look at the Australia trip, we were going to ride all the way around mm -hmm. our first major you know macro level change of plans was we we said forget it we you know once we got to darwin we were tired of roadhouse food we were tired of red dirt right. and we wanted to go eat, eat some interesting food and enjoy the trip so we flew to southeast asia right that wasn't the original plan and that's not right or wrong but it's it's for us the we're coming from the professional career focus where there are goals and objectives and you're trying to reach things having an endpoint and having a big a big picture goal for the trip mm -hmm. was was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So is that part of why you designed the second trip the way you did with that end goal in mind was your experience with the Australia, Asia, Europe trip? Yeah, I'd say yes, but it's also, you know, truly iconic. Alaska to Argentina is if you're a long distance touring cyclist, um, that's about as iconic as it can get. Um, right. So, yeah. Yes and yes, probably. <laughs> 
also want to ask, like, how many of the people you've met on your travels have you stayed in contact with? I know sometimes there were people that you kept running into. Steve was a cyclist that you kept running into in Australia and that I think you rode with for a while. Or when you stopped in, was it Central America that you guys stopped for a couple months and took the mm-hmm. Spanish course? Um, yeah. A lot of people that you met that you stayed in contact with that you've built relationships with. Uh, yes and no. I'd say we have. It's funny. It's funny because yeah. it's it's hard to explain. But when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you haven't seen cyclists for a long time, you know, you've been on the road, you've been away from people you know for a long time, yeah. and you see another cyclist on the other side of the road. There's such an intense moment there where you, where you stop and you talk to each other and. And sometimes you really click with people and you can tell right away. And even though you only spend a little bit of time with them, you know, sometimes it's only uh, a half hour on the side of the road, you know, that these are people, quote unquote, your people, like you, you would, you would hang out with them. You would get along with them. You would click with them regardless of where you met. Yeah. And we've had, we've had several of those people we, we still are in contact with. Um, We met a couple on the side of the road in Turkey who, we're riding to Sydney actually, and we were we were going the opposite direction, and um, they ended up riding all the way to Sydney and stayed with us for two weeks because we we'd gotten back by then. So, and we still are in contact. I mean, I would say contact. We're kind of Facebook friends, and we 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 message each other a little bit. And I think there are are several other people we still are in contact. We we met a young couple, and we rode with for a month in Peru, which was a great experience to be with them and to ride with them and to get to know them, and they kind of feel like our adopted children <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I mean, they're way they wait. They're probably as, as hip and cool. The more way more cool, hip and cool than us. Yeah. <laughs> listening to us. Yeah, we love you guys. <laughs> Oh, that's great. The point, the point is, yeah, that it, it takes effort, though. I think you know, with anything, if you right. um, if you don't make the effort to stay in contact, you, you drift away because your continents apart. Many of our friends are on other continents, and yeah. you know, so they're not going to come over to your house for dinner on on Friday night. Yeah, it is hard. It's easy to assume that because you see a touring cyclist, you you're you'll get along, you'll you'll, you'll click, and everything because you're. You're both cyclists. Sometimes that's the only thing you have in common. Yeah. You know, you have different budgets, different mindsets, different trips, different speeds. So it doesn't um, sponsor that same connectedness. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. do that, you say hi and you do the exchange and then you move on. But right. there are some, like Nancy says, where you feel like you just want to know them the rest of your life. Yeah, we we have we have we we met some really great people, which we and we don't necessarily keep in contact with all of them now, but we we feel like we we met some good souls along the way. That's awesome. And speaking of friends on different continents, um, when you guys decided to move to Australia, first of all, why did you decide to move literally to the other side of the world from where you both grew up in the Western United States? Same same reason we do bike trips, you know, to have grand adventure and and make sure that our life was well well lived, right? right. Like sound like I'm, that's my, my, my obituary there. Um, <laughs> But it was really, it really was that. We didn't necessarily plan on going for 20 years like we ended up doing, but we were only going to go for a couple of years. But it was really, how do we have, how do we make the most of this? You know, you're only going to go around once. Let's, let's do something exciting. What big things were really startling to you when you did move to Australia? Um, what was surprising? What were the biggest like elements of culture shock? I mean, it's funny. Everybody always said, everybody always asked that question. And we've moved internationally a couple, three or four times now. And I think, it's not the big things. It's not the driving on the other side of the road. It's really the little things. Because when you travel internationally, the lights come on. When right. you move somewhere, you figure out that the 
the hot water actually is on a timer and it only goes for eight hours a day. So if you want to take a shower in the evening, you can't do that. Well, they, they wouldn't do that to you as a traveler because in a hotel, they'll run the hot water all the time. Right. But in Australia, yes, they shut hot water heaters off um, after they've been on for eight hours. And wow. it took us months to figure that out. Right. Uh, Nancy, Nancy went to the grocery store to, in Australia. Yeah, actually, when we first moved to Australia, Dave had to go on a trip. Yeah, on a trip. Like we got there, and within a week or something, he's he's off for a three week business trip, and I'm oh, he left you alone. Yeah, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And so I went to the grocery store, but they, like for example, they don't. No one writes checks in Australia, right? So I don't even think we. I guess we must have had some credit card. I don't. I, I got to the cash register to pay and. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I don't have enough cash, you know, to pay for all this, to pay for the food that's on the on the trolley there, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Because you don't even think about that kind of stuff in the U.S. You know, you go to the store yeah. and you use the card. I mean, back then, I guess we didn't really have. It was different. Yeah, yeah. it's just the, the whole concept of little things like that that you couldn't. And I went, I went to go get some, you know, what we call hamburger, you know, yeah, um, at the meat mar meat counter, yeah. And of course, you know, everything's in kilograms. And so I had to figure out, I had to say. It's in Australian dollars yeah, in kilograms. Yeah. So I had to figure out how to tell him how much hamburger, which they call mince. So you can't even, I couldn't even say what I wanted. I just had to point at it. You know, it makes you just feel, it makes you have such sympathy for people who. Immigrate or travel. Yeah. 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 Probably immigrate. Because yeah. traveling, you don't think about that. You just go to the restaurant and you buy a yeah. hamburger yeah. and you eat the hamburger. Yeah. yeah. You don't need a you don't need um half a kilo half a kilogram of mints at you know seven dollars Aussie per kilogram. Yeah. You know, what what is that? I have you can't even how, I, mean, I couldn't even I couldn't really even figure out how much how to say how much I wanted. So I have to I had to put just put my hands out and say, Well, I kinda want this much. You know, yeah. I had no idea how much that was, which is you know, because we just we didn't we didn't learn that here and and yeah. so you know i guess the the biggest thing is i mean i'm sure you you probably run into this over there it makes you really feel sympathy and understanding empathy for those people who have to travel or have to move from country to country and just that initial kind of bedding in period is really really hard it is hard and i i think too something i've noticed i don't know if you you, you guys have noticed this as well but all again all those little things that are just yeah. slightly different it's almost yeah. like unsettling because yeah, it's yeah. not that like you're in, you know, a, a completely different country that doesn't have electricity or something. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things that it's similar enough. You know, you you feel like you're still and things are fairly normal, but it's yeah. all those little things that are slightly different that are just like unsettling and just kind of yeah. make you feel a little off kilter. Yeah, it makes you it makes you a bit nervous. Like but even that, like we were just talking about. To, like, just the little things like I just need to go pick up something at the grocery store and you kind of think, oh, oh gosh, do I really want to do that? Do I have the, do I have, do I have the energy to, to tackle that today? <laughs> yeah, I think it's challenging nowadays, too, because there's a lot of shortcuts. And so it's like, do I want to go tackle the grocery store or do I want to just order food on my phone? <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> and it's, it's so much easier and uh, it's so tempting to just you know, take the easy route, but at the same time, like you're not going to get the full experience. You're not going to learn how if you don't yeah. do the difficult thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and it can be really surprising sometimes when you're like, oh, I'm going to go buy some maple syrup, but you can't find maple syrup anywhere. And you're like, that's yeah. nope, like nope. the thing that everyone would have, but for some reason, it's so hard to find in this particular yeah. location. Or they, or they call it something different, you know? It's, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know, like arugula is called rocket. Yep, that's yeah. Australia. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, that's something here too. It took us a while yeah. to figure out what they were talking about when they said, yeah. oh, there's a rocket on this pizza. We were like, yeah. but rocket fuel, what? <laughs> yeah, when we when we first moved to Australia, when we got for pizza, actually everywhere we kept seeing something on the menu, we'd call, they'd call it capsicum. And I couldn't, we couldn't, we had no idea what that was, capsicum. Yeah. And finally we asked, we finally asked someone what was capsicum and it's just red pepper. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but and remember, we moved to a country where the they ba- English. the base language yeah. is English, right? Yeah. You, you've moved to a country where the base language is well. They, everybody does speak a lot, little bit of English, I'm sure. But yeah, it's interesting because definitely some people speak. It's it's a wide range. Um, yeah. So sometimes we'll walk into a store and there's not a single person in there that speaks English, and then we're like, okay, um, hand signals. <laughs> yeah. um, but and we've tried to learn a little bit of Croatian, but it's definitely it's it's a challenging language to learn. Um, wow. So it's been it's been interesting for sure. How did your families react when you said we're going to move to a completely different country? <laughs> well, you know, we settled them by telling them it was only going to be two years because we actually believe that, I think. Um, <laughs> and it, we moved in 99. Um, so there was, I think Skype had been invented and there was a bit of ability to communicate, but um, everybody was younger. As your parents get older, you'll you'll find this. As your parents get older, they... <laughs> get more and more anxious and i think right. if we tried to do it today and we don't know where we're going to live when we grow up but i think our mothers would be really super anxious if we said we're going back to australia right now right and i don't know what we're going to do um that's a really good question that we won't be able to answer on this podcast <laughs> uh, but i think they, there was the the communication certainly got better nancy was in um japan for a year in the mid 80s mm-hmm. and um you know, we were doing aerograms, which is you know super thin paper um, with cost of a you know. It was it was it had the envelope. It's built in envelope, yeah. and we'd write letters to each other and send them. And then once a month, we could spend ten minutes on a phone call together. There was no computers, there was no FaceTime, wow. there was no email, um, and we got through that. Um, by 1999, things were better, and then even today, they're even you know you can your video call. Right? You can do so a video call. Different. You can be in communication. So. Uh, it is still hard, I think, on the families. Um, it is it, as your parents get older. They, as Dave said, they they really they worry they worry much much more about everything, and, and it's hard to be it's hard on them for us to be away from them for a long period of time. So if uh, we'll probably go back to Australia, but we'll, we'll, it'll be we'll have to figure out and make sure we can get back um, more frequently than you know the the the. The COVID, the pandemic, really um, affected our 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 plans because right. that that stuck us in Australia for over two years, and that was that was really hard on the family. Yeah, um, I, I know uh, that that was because it, it came out of nowhere too, and all of a sudden you just you can't leave. Yeah, um, yeah. and then you guys had the horrible instance as well of your house in Oregon. A, tree fell on it while you were stuck in Australia. And I'm sure that that was just crazy to, to try to deal with as well. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the last three years or two years, whatever it's been, have taught us um, anything. It's seize the moment, you know, this is now is the time to do the things you want to do in your life. Um, If you wait till tomorrow, they tomorrow may not come. Um, 
Now that sounds really cheesy, but and you may not be able to afford to seize the the day as much as you'd like to, but but you can seize the day in little ways. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah. you know, you, it's easy to get caught up in just you know sort of one day stroking through life and not really thinking about having adventure or thinking about your life being great. But you have to go back to that thing we started with. You only have one. Yeah. And it'll be it'll be over soon enough. So what are you doing now that um, you really wish you were doing? And is there a way you can make that happen? And yeah. a lot of times the answer is yes, but you might have to not order takeaway. You know, you might have to you might have to make a hard some of the hard decisions and really right. you know buckle down and do those those hard things because that'll get you to really where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So a story that you guys told me inspired the name of this podcast, The Next Town Over. And I, I don't know if you remember telling me this story about how each town you went to, people would say that like the next town was sketchy or weren't friendly. And then when you got there, things were totally different. Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. That happens everywhere all the time. It's um, the fear of the foreigner or fear of the unknown, I think. Um and, you know, in today's sort of polarized world, I think you see it even, even more. Um, you know, the, the people are still fighting with each other over things they can't even remember why they started fighting. And if you if you actually put the two people in the room and and had a cup of tea with the, with them, everything would be fine. And they and, and things work out. I think you know, generally people are, are really good everywhere mm -hmm. and want to do the right thing. Um, but we kind of sometimes get stuck in our bubbles, whether that's in your town or, you know, you only watch Fox or you only watch CNN and you start to believe that the other guy is a bad guy or that he's evil. And oftentimes they really aren't. Yeah. How much do you think that that impacts people traveling, that fear of the unknown or that belief that like this other place is far more dangerous or that people there won't be friendly or how much do you think that impacts people traveling? Oh, I'm sure a lot. I mean, I think some people think the places we go were absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. um, and then we go there and have <laughs> these amazing times and these experience. And, you know, I think Nancy, Nancy always likes to, when we're driving that, we're riding our bikes down the road and, and it doesn't matter what country, like in almost every country we've been and we've seen it, there's laundry hanging on the, on the line. Yeah. And it, it gives the sense of people everywhere are just trying to get by, you know, they're trying to, provide for their families and get ahead in life and generally are hardworking. Um, and that's so true everywhere. But if you don't ever go there and experience that, um, you really don't, you start seeing those people as, as foreigners. You start seeing those people as, as, you know, different colored skin or different foods or different languages. You start seeing them as something you don't understand. And that's the beauty of travel is you, you experience them as just people. I mean, it's yeah. funny because they're, 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 there's this, they have their own world, just like we have our own worlds. Now, maybe they don't intersect, but they're out there existing with their lives and their families and their jobs and their kids, whatever, just the, just the same way we are all in these little kind of, I kind of think of as bubbles floating around. But they're doing the same thing we're doing. Every day they get up, they brush their teeth, they put laundry in, the, in you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's not, it's not, um, I always think of this book, what I used to, I read when I was a little kid called, I don't know if you've read this book, but it's called The Borrowers. It was about this um, little family that lived under the stairs of this house. It's a really cool book, but it's a similar kind of thing. This whole world existed 
under the stairs and in the walls of this house of a normal family that, um, and they didn't really interact until they discovered each other. And, and it's kind of the same way traveling. There's this whole, there's these, all these worlds out there actually that we don't, we don't even think about, and they're not thinking about our world, but they're all out there together. And all we need to do is kind of cross that little border, wherever that might be. And, and we're in, we're in a whole nother world that's very much like ours. Yeah, or it's almost like the Lion, the Witch, and the world Wardrobe. You pass through that wardrobe yeah. and find yourself in a completely different yeah. yep. place. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I was in, a, I don't mean to be political, but we were in Nicaragua in mm -hmm. a hostel the day that President Trump did his um, blank whole country <laughs> speech. You know, he didn't want people from certain countries to come to America. He only wanted Norwegians. I think most people right. remember that incident. But we were in Nicaragua that day. And we were in this hostel and there's these women working in the hostel and they started at six in the morning cleaning. And when we eventually got up at eight, they made us breakfast um, or brekkie, as we say in Australia. Uh, and then as other people got up, eventually they, they made them brekkie and then they started cleaning more and they um, then they made people lunch if you wanted that. And then they cleaned more and organized and then they made people dinner and then they went home maybe at nine o'clock at night and then they came back and did it the next day. Yeah. Um, and they did that six days a week. They had Sundays off. I don't know. I don't remember how we ate on Sundays. Maybe <laughs> we weren't there on Sunday, but they were the hardest working people and they were the happiest people. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to demonize people from those places if you've never been there and you don't realize what they're really about. They were just trying to get by. You know, they work six days a week. They worked harder than I've ever worked in my life. Right. Uh, they never stopped smiling. Um, I'm sure they had too many kids at home and didn't have. Help, help yeah. and clean water and they probably had other issues that that we'll never even comprehend but to, yeah. to demonize them at a global stage at that moment was just just remarkable for me because it was so wrong and yeah. i couldn't explain that to anyone you have to go sit in that hostel and watch this and then if you still want to make those comments about where people come from uh okay but at least you've seen this and had this experience Okay, so we wanted to kind of go back and do some commentary to some discussion um, about the interview. I just, I figured it'd be a great way to kind of add context and kind of put uh, some of the takeaways from the interview like in, in perspective and to kind of, you know, shine them up and frame them and put them in a box and like, <laughs> you know, display You don't want to interrupt the interview too much when you have side commentary or stories that relate because yeah. you don't want to detract from what they're bringing to the interview. Yeah. So yeah, side commentary is a very nice I thing. I think it's fun. Plus, you know, our little, you know, back and forth is it's what people are here for, right? That's why you're here is the banter. We like the banter. I like the banter. I like the banter. I'm a fan of the banter. It's good to have friends. For the first part of this interview, unfortunately, you were not here. Which is the other part of the reason you want to talk about it afterwards, so that you can hear my lovely voice. Yes. And all of my takes. Yeah. Um, so, and you were not here because? Because my parents very spontaneously decided to fly out to Croatia to visit. And they happened to choose the day of the interview. Um, very exciting. Very glad I got to see them and, you know, spend the week with them, you know, coming up. But I, I met them at the airport and got them settled into their Airbnb on the other side of town. And I had to hurry back to make it for the interview. And I just kind of 
missed the first part, but that's okay. It's fine. I got to listen to it, and I like it. It was it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that Dave and Nancy agreed to be our first guests. <laughs> They are a wealth of experience and knowledge. I know. I, they've been so many places. And it was kind of fun for me, too, because I've grown up with them. And, of course, they've lived in Australia pretty much my entire life. So I didn't grow up with them here. You know, I didn't. they weren't around. But, uh, you know, Dave was the best man at my parents' wedding. He and my dad have been friends since, since elementary school. You know, they're kind of like a, another set of aunt and uncle but there's a lot that I don't know about them because, you know, when you grow up with adults in your life, you don't always like interview them about <laughs> their whole, like all their experiences. And since they lived in Australia, you know, I, I really only saw them when they came to visit. So it was fun for me because I got to learn a lot more about them too. And this was my first interaction with them. And I mean, they keep a really good blog. It's very uh, dedicated to their experiences. It's very thorough. It's a very thorough blog. There's way too, there's so <laughs> much there's material. So much. Oh my gosh. I mean, I highly recommend it, but don't expect to read all of it. <laughs> yeah. I really thought I'd be ambitious and like, at the very least get some idea of what they'd been through before the interview. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back to like the beginning of this journey. I'll skip a couple months in, I'll skip a couple years in and just kind of skim. I just shouldn't have decided to do that two days ago because they have been, you know, doing this for over a decade and and keeping this blog for over a decade. Or they keep regular ent- entries multiple times throughout each month over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So even if you read like just bits and pieces of like April yeah. of 2010... Yeah. And you have to read April 2011. Like, it, there's just so much. And it's amazing because they've lived so much. Yeah. And experienced so many And when they're things. on their trips, their posts are pretty much daily. Like, they miss a day here or there because uh, it was a particularly long day or because of technology issues. But when they're on the road, it's like, it's daily entries. Which blows my mind because they're also, they're not short entries. I mean, they really get into the place that they're at, uh, the food that they're eating, the people that they meet. The, the details of the ride and the scenery. Nancy yeah. is very poetic in the way that she describes everything. I really felt like there are certain instances where I was like, wow, I feel like I'm here. Yeah. yeah. It was great. They're, yeah, their blog is great. And it's fun, too, because they, they trade off. And like you said, Nancy's very poetic and kind of detailed. And Dave is uh, very funny like he'll crack jokes or you know it's it <laughs> and then so, nancy will butt in with a correction like excuse me i'd like to point out that this is how it really happened it's pretty funny because they'll go back and forth on like editor senior editor <laughs> like editor's note it was a really joy to great. read it yeah. really is so um, highly recommend it um it is called leave without pay yes correct leave without pay.com is their website i was going to plug that at the end of the episode no it's all good we can bring it up twice yeah 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 look at that Speaking of plugging uh, other things, Carson's got her own blog that she's doing. Oh, yeah. Keeping track of her movements as well. <laughs> yeah, mine's not nearly as um, regular as Dave and Nancy's. Not as thorough, but just as enjoyable. Yeah, well, I, I try to go for the highlights. <laughs> Seeing as I read them, they're just as enjoyable. Well, thanks. We started out talking when Nancy broke her clavicle right before they left. Yes. Which I, when when I was reading that post, I was like, oh my God, if that had happened to me, I, I'm pretty sure I, w- I would have just straight up panicked and gone into crisis mode and possibly canceled the whole shebang. Yeah, that, I would have been like, that's a bad omen. 
I'm not meant to do this. Time to rethink my entire life. I do think it's ironic that then Dave broke his clavicle just a few months ago. It almost feels like bookends, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of wonder, like, what's coming next for them? Because it does kind of feel like, you know, they did these major bike tours. Uh, The pandemic just hit. Their house in Oregon was wrecked. Because of the pandemic and the impact that it had on their families and stuff, they're having to kind of rethink what they're going to do for the next period of their life, especially with, again, their parents are getting older. So it kind of feels like bookending this this period of their life, you know? And so I'm kind of interested to see what happens next for them and how that is different, you know? Yeah, I agree. I noticed that quite, you know, especially having not known them and just starting their blog and reading that she... You know, broke her clavicle right before this big epic journey that they had taken years to plan and everything. And she broke her clavicle and how that affected them and set them back. And then to now learn that, you know, recently he also broke his own clavicle mm-hmm. afterwards, just <laughs> a decade apart on yeah. different ends of this massive, you know, tour of the world by bike journey that they've been on. Mm-hmm. Not to say that. Obviously, they mentioned in the episode itself and in the interview that they would be going through Japan. But I wonder how, you know, these experiences are going to affect the way that they do their travels. Mm -hmm. With, you know, communication, you know, being so much more important with elderly family, you know, being something they, they have to consider. Whereas, you know, when they first took off, that really wasn't something that they had access to. Yeah, I know it's interesting. So, I guess I'll be I'll be watching closely, and hopefully we'll have him back. You know, again. Oh, I hope so. So then we were talking uh, to them about opening the storage unit, and yes. Nancy was saying that like just the wealth of things when they've been living with so little, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know how much our audience knows about traveling by bicycle or cycling but i mean i don't know anything about it yeah so when they're talking about panniers those are those bags that uh like attach to the side of the back wheel sort of so they kind of um they're on the side they're saddlebags they're saddlebags for bikes yeah and so they're not that big i mean they're kind of like i don't know maybe maybe two feet tall typically Mm -hmm. and then like maybe like a foot wide ish about and they they come in different sizes but they're not huge um and when you're then usually you'll have like handlebar bags um you might have some sort of bag that attaches to the frame of the bike but usually that would be smaller because you want to have quick access to your water bottles and those are usually attached to the frame um and then maybe something that sits on top of the the back wheel you know a lot of those bikes have a platform there and you'll have some sort of like box that sits on top of that Mm -hmm. so it's not a lot of storage and you have to bring your camping gear you have to bring all your cooking gear you have to bring clothing you have to bring all your your toiletries which obviously not bringing a ton of stuff but you do need to have the basics are on your person yes um you need to have also uh items to fix your bike because Mm -hmm. if you break down the middle of nowhere you need to be able to fix it so that usually means um some sort of spare like tire ring um different variety of tools yeah variety of tools things like that so uh you're packing a lot of different items into this very very small carrying space uh and things that are absolute necessities not necessarily things that like oh i get to bring an extra t-shirt 
No, no. You get to bring the bike pump. Yeah. Yeah, because, again, you're looking at, like, survival stuff, too, yeah. just in case. Emergency items. Bear spray all of your or food. your favorite teacup. No, no. You're going to bring the bear spray. Yeah. You have to and you have to bring all your food. And a lot of the places they were traveling, they didn't know if they were going to be able to get food for, you know, weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. So they had to bring enough food for a couple of weeks. Sometimes they had to bring enough water for a few days. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, we're talking about in Australia when they were... You know, going in between places and they're like, well, I'm really glad we had that extra water because this pump at this one place just happened to not be working that day. Yeah. And we didn't know when it was going to come back, but thankfully we had brought extra water. Otherwise yeah. we would have been SOL. Yeah. So when Nancy says like, oh, we have one pair of pants, like one pair of pants, one long sleeve shirt. She literally means it. Yeah. Like, um, and again, like bike gear as well as... Um, casual wear Mm because you don't want to wear your bike shorts on your off day when you're wandering around town so you have like one of each necessary thing right um so it's really really bare minimal there are no decisions to make because it's not like it's not even two pairs of pants to choose between you just got one yeah (laughs) that's it and a sewing kit so no holes yeah (laughs) which i do kind of think we are experiencing a very small taste of that after packing up our own lives and moving to a foreign country you know we're living out of two suitcases which to some you know a full suitcase and a carry-on to some it's like oh that's a ton of room until you realize that's that's everything that's all of your clothes for every season those are your jackets it's you know two types of shoes congratulations that's all you get yeah so it's it's funny to think about some of the things I left at home, like in my storage unit, and I'm like, oh, one day when we go back, I'm going to have those things again. And yeah. it's going to be weird to have so many more options than I do now. Or even the fact that since my parents were so kind, shout out to my mom and dad who brought me a couple of like sweaters that I wanted and I couldn't bring with me initially. They packed it you know, over for me. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have new outfits now <laughs> new things yes <laughs> yeah i'm to say i couldn't buy things while we're here but you also have to remember that we're packing it back into those same suitcases when we move <clears throat> yeah so when i'm bringing something new along it better be worth it so the fact that i have like an extra sweater now i'm like yes i'm so happy that's like four new outfits yeah yeah um i it's i don't like it i don't <laughs> <laughs> And that's fair. I don't. I could not live on a like out of a bike. I know those things. I admire them wonderfully for it, Mm -hmm. and I know that they have had very singular experiences along in the world. Yeah, their life is. I mean, thank God they've kept such a thorough blog because that's worth something. Absolutely. I mean, again, the experiences are just that they've had are amazing. And I want it. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) want it like I've, I've done bike tours but like usually just week-long ones week was enough week was enough for me i've never done it but you know what i really love my pillow yeah 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 i like my pillow too yeah i lots of little luxuries yeah small luxuries that i it's not that i can't it's that i won't go yeah. without like access to a shower on a even somewhat regular basis like every couple of days if i didn't have the ability to shower every three days yeah, I'd be pretty upset. And like Nancy was saying, that there there are days that are really hard, and I can speak from experience. Like those hard days on a bicycle, they're hard. I mean, when you're riding sixty five miles in the Ugh. rain uphill, Ew. it's like 
And meanwhile, the, the cars that are going past you and stuff, they're not giving you room. They're going right past your handlebars at 60 miles per hour. They're spraying you with water. Like they're, you're muddy, you're sweaty, you're like, it's not, it's And then at the hard. end of the day, you get to crawl into your sleeping bag. Yeah. You don't get to go and shower into a nice warm, you know, hot bath and release the day's tensions and sleep on a nice feather bed. You're hopefully finding a little grassy spot at the maybe a campground if not the side of the road and it does depend because like my parents whenever they've had a day like that they're like screw it we're getting a hotel (laughs) they're probably in the budget yeah or if you're in the australian outback there just isn't one yeah so like the fact that you could have a really terrible day and at the end of it not come home or come to a place where you can do that level of de-stress and you just kind of have to suck it up yeah and lay there in your sleeping bag while it rains laying in the dirt no thanks yeah I admire you. No, thank you. Don't want it. Yeah. And then we had days too where um, like the tire would get a leak or go flat or something. And then we would change it, get back on the road. 20 minutes later, something like something would come detached or, and so we had to stop and my dad would fix that. And then we would finally get back on the road like an hour later and 20 minutes later, something else would break. Oh. And at that point you're just like, can we call a cab? Like, <laughs> so done um so yeah it's hard and again it's really rewarding too Mm -hmm. because you are moving under your own power and there's something really cool about that and it really forces you to slow down and experience everything that you're passing by and Mm -hmm. when you're in a you know beautiful place it it's a great way to travel i'm not gonna like I'm not going to say that you should knock it before you try it because I definitely think it's it's a great way to travel. It just it's it there are hard days. And I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I really do. It's a huge accomplishment what they've done. Oh, well, the the fact that they the Australian Outback on its own mm-hmm. would be an incredible accomplishment. Or like any single trip that they've done would be an incredible accomplishment. But yeah. they've done multiple across I'm sorry, they said 51 and 54, or no, they, she biked 47 countries and yeah. he biked. Oh, I don't remember now. Something close to that, like 49. So roughly 50 countries on bike. Yeah. Is. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, have never traveled, you know, by bike like that. So I honestly can't even comprehend what that means and so many miles too because like just between their two big trips Mm -hmm. they have done approximately thirty thousand miles Mm -hmm. uh, just on their two big trips so uh, they've done a ton of other bike tours and stuff as well but thirty thousand miles just on the two big trips and that's almost fifty thousand kilometers that's insane it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot Really impressive. And also just the the go get them attitude, I think is really, really cool. I mean, they were talking about seizing the day and just having adventures and experiences. And like, I, they've really lived incredible lives. Yeah. I mean, moving to Australia too, or, and I know that that's not the only thing that they've done. That, that was one of the big elements for that I was aware of, mm-hmm. but like, Nancy working in Japan for a year, Dave working in London. Um, I think that they, I want to say they were in Amsterdam for a while too. I think I saw that somewhere, but I could be wrong. Don't hold me to that. But just, you know, living in all these different countries, tackling that challenge of 
completely relocating their lives. Mm -hmm. I, it's just, it's really, really cool. Well, and the fact that they were saying the idea of moving to Australia, it was only meant to be for two years and mm -hmm. it ended up being for 20. Yeah. That also just goes to show that how much you can plan and the way that you hope or expect your life to go, it will completely change. I don't know if 20 years ago they thought they would be riding bikes across most of the world. I think that was a long-term dream for them. Okay. I think that's... I was, yeah. And I know that they said that they bought the bikes that they planned on using for this trip 10 years before they went on the trip. Well, they said that for the Australia, for their trip around Australia. I don't know if they had even considered how far in advance they'd be riding. They may have said something in there. I think, yeah, I'm not sure. I think... I've always been, I've been under the impression that this was like a long-term dream for them um, that they just finally mm -hmm. managed to do after yeah. 20 years in their careers and saving up and planning and all that. Yeah. So Which, that's the other thing is like, they're so right on like the way that you have to plan that because yes, if you step back and say, we are going to travel this far, that is a, an insane accomplishment. Yeah. And to do it all at once is impossible. You have to do it in steps. You have to do it piece by piece, packing up your life piece by piece. Yeah. You know, it's all so many little details that if you try to do the whole thing, you're just going to get lost and overwhelmed. And I think she makes a really great point of that because when we were planning this trip, we don't have a full, you know, we don't have every detail and every day planned, but we had to really sit down and consider what we wanted how we wanted to do it. And then there was the actual, like, how do we get there? What do we do once mm. we're there? And certain aspects of it that if we had tried to sit down and do that originally, I don't know if I would have been able to handle the pressure. Yeah. Well, and I think too, that we also didn't plan too much though. Cause I think that's, that's part of what she was getting at as well is that like, if you go out and say, okay, I'm going to like do this two year bike ride, like that just, trying to tackle that mm -hmm. feels really overwhelming. Yeah. Taking it day by day. Yeah. Taking it by day, day by day. And you know, we did kind of do that in the sense that we just were like, okay, we're going to go to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> what happens after that? We'll figure out, <laughs> you like, know? Okay. Uh... <laughs> but we made that decision. We're going to go to Europe mm -hmm. with the intention of staying there for a while. And then, you know, we left a lot of it open-ended, you know. And we filled in the details, you know, as things got closer and as things became necessary to plan. Yeah. Like, we still haven't planned out the second half of our year, but we're in the process of it, mm -hmm. which is nice. And as much of a planner as I am, I know that I would get too anxious if I had to plan every, you know, stop and every apartment that we booked and everything along the way. I would probably be a bit of a neurotic mess. Yeah. Although not planning enough of it <laughs> has also made me a slight neurotic mess. <laughs> so let's get Germany on the books, shall we? Oh, yeah. We need to work on that. Hey, <laughs> at least we finally got the part where we're, we're getting to Italy. We at least finally booked That's that. That's true. It took, you know, we leave. Two weeks before two weeks. we leave Croatia, I mean, we finally booked the whole getting to Italy part. I mean, we had Italy booked. It was just the getting there the part. The getting there <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Although I had every, it's not the same because booking a place where you're going to stay for, you know, a few weeks versus like the bus that gets you there, a little different. So like, 
I just sort of assume that I'm going to be able to figure out how to get somewhere. So on this trip that I just took, I just got back from Serbia, you guys, which Serbia is great. I did love not go, Serbia. For the record, I wasn't there. She wasn't there. Um, so I just sort of figured my bus to Belgrade would drop me off at the main bus station and there would be an ATM there and I'd be able to get money and just sort of grab a cab and take it to my hotel. For record, that is how most bus stations and main train stations within any like major city works. Like they have ATMs very nearby for this express reason. Yeah. However, so I tend to panic when there's like an instant decision that needs to be made. Like when there's a time crunch, I just sort of panic. Um, so I and was on the bus. You're not particularly comfortable breaking rules either. No, I don't like breaking rules. I'm a total rule follower. Yeah. So um, I had my ticket to Belgrade Studensky Grad. And I just sort of figured when I booked it, because that was the, the station that it said it, it ended at. And so I thought that that was like the main train station. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm on the bus and the um, we're coming into Belgrade. We're like at the... We're we're coming up to a stop, and the guy sitting next to me goes, "Oh, what what? Where are you getting off?" And so I showed him my ticket, and he was like, "Oh, that's this stop." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Then I I like I guess I need to get off because the bus had stopped, and I was like, "If I don't get off, then it's going to keep going." And what if it goes on to like Romania or something, and then I have to come back? And so I dashed off the bus and got my suitcase, and then the bus drove off, and. My phone was not working in Serbia and the Wi-Fi on the bus had not been working. So I hadn't been able to get the map figured out. So I have no map, no cell phone, no money. And it was not the main train station. Where were you? uh, (laughs) She still doesn't know. I still don't know. I was somewhere on the outskirts of the city. And I... Of a foreign country. Of a foreign country. All alone. I didn't speak the language. I was totally alone. It was, and I just stood there for a second thinking, shit. What else was, was, ha- what else was happening that same time? Oh, it was dumping rain. It had been dumping rain for days. I mean, like the entire city was flooded and not like flooded, like the crazy floods that you've been seeing on the news, yeah. but just like there were puddles six inches deep everywhere, right. like everywhere. Um, it was way more rain than the, the like drainage system was prepared to handle. So, um, anyway, I was like, well, I guess I'd better start walking because standing here at this bus station isn't going to help me. Um, and there was no map at the bus station or anything. (laughs) I was like, I don't know where I am. This is fun. So I just sort of started walking towards where the city seemed to be (laughs) because I knew that I knew that my hotel was like in the center of the city, like where the rivers converged. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, if I walk this way, eventually I'll run into a McDonald's or a Starbucks or something where they have Wi-Fi and then I can use the Wi-Fi to figure out where I'm going. Uh Uh-huh. How'd that that go for you? I walked six miles over the course of three hours in the pouring rain um, and finally managed to find my way to my hotel and no one was there. <laughs> so I had to call and ask somebody to come let me in. To your credit, you got there. You got I, off in, I mean, I could only 
think of some random, you know, alone station in bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> um, you still got there. It yeah. took you hours. I mean, what other choice did you have? But still, like, you got there, you figured out how to navigate this foreign country at a random stop. Yeah. Which it was, it was really sketchy because I was able to see, you know, on the maps app, there's the little blue dot that kind of shows you what direction you're facing. Roughly, unless you've got mine, in which case <laughs> that tells you you're in the complete opposite direction. Um, and then when I tapped on the, the address for the hotel, it would zoom in on a location on the map and like center it. The map wouldn't load. It was just the grid squares, but it would be center on where the hotel would be right. if the map was there. Uh-huh. So then I could look at the blue dot and figure out how, like, what direction I needed to walk in. And so I would just walk in the direction. But hey, I got there. You got I there. figured it out. She survived the entire encounter. I did. Meanwhile, <laughs> so I'm the kind of person who, and it's ironic that we just booked trains or um we just booked our like passage to italy Mm -hmm. because i did stop and say hey which bus station are we coming into in italy and you said wait there's more than one (laughs) in in venice specifically in venice like obviously italy as a whole has a million bus stations but you're like hey which i was like hey which one are we going to and you're like there's more than one (laughs) yes there are two actually we can go to this one or this one and, like, we did a little bit more research to figure out which one we actually wanted to go to, which one would be the most helpful. They were both in the middle of the city, right next to each other. Like, it just makes more sense doing one over the other. I just find that ironic because I stopped to check. <laughs> I think that part of the problem is that um, I think of city buses as different than, like, destination buses. And so with destination buses, I'm thinking of, like, a Greyhound, where it goes from point A to point B. <laughs> and, like, it stops at the main train station, you know, or the main bus station mm-hmm. in whatever city There's it is. There's only one it doesn't in stop, this area. It doesn't stop at every bus station in that city. Mm-hmm. It stops at the main bus station. Yeah. That's where you get off. And then from there, you can find your way wherever you're going. Right. Or that's not how Flixbus works. No. It stops at, like, all these different random places. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, this is before she left for Belgrade. I thought that she would have known. I just find it really ironic that... My brain doesn't work that way. Well, that's why it's funny, because <laughs> my brain does. But when we were um, in... It was in Zadar, right? Where we followed that wedding party? Yes. So when we were in Zadar, she had planned out what, like, sights she wanted to see. And I was just kind of happy and along for the ride. And so we're walking around, and we're like, wow, this is so cool. This is so beautiful. And then we see these people who are trans who were dressed very nice, you know, very dolled up in heels and tuxes. And there's a band, like, following them around and playing music. It was great. Mm-hmm. And then they moved. And I said, okay, follow the fancy people. And she's like, what? No, we don't do that. And we did anyway. <laughs> and we got to witness, like, a really cool, like, beginning of a wedding. It was really, really cool. We weren't cool. in the wedding. Like, I don't want people to think that we just, like, barged it. Crashed. We did not crash a wedding. But this, you know, the bride and groom and I think the maid of honor and the best man arrived by boat. Yeah. And they had had, like, sparklers and a flag waving. Yeah. As the couple arrived. Mm -hmm. And we just got to, like, be nearby and watch it. And if we hadn't followed the fancy people, we wouldn't have done that. And that's my, like, 
go with the flow of like, we're here. What it, we do here doesn't matter, but yeah. we're here. It was a really magical moment for sure. So I'm, cool. I'm glad we got to witness that. <laughs> That's where it's like, I will plan us all the way up until the day of what we're doing there. Yeah. Which is great because you planned the things that what to do while we're there. And I'm like, I don't know. I just got us here. <laughs> and I got us to the right bus station. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about David and Nancy. We were. All right, neighbors, thanks for joining us today. If you heard something you liked, please support the show by hitting the subscribe button and reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out Dave and Nancy's blog on leavewithoutpay.com. And as always, you can find more information about the podcast, links to social media, and show notes for each episode on carsoncosta.com forward slash podcast. Please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. You can email us at nto at carsoncosta.com, and we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week to keep making your world a little smaller.